0: Hey guys, welcome to this week's money and investing show. This week, we are embracing a concept called the opposite. That's right, whatever you might be doing, if it's not working for you, consider the opposite. Great episode in Seinfeld, but also some great money advice. As always, take plenty of notes, and more importantly, make sure you take plenty of action. Hey guys, welcome to this week's money and investing show
1: with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurential. Hey, B, thanks for having me on the show. And look, just to premise this podcast, look. We spend our entire lives trying to attract and magnetize things. Today's episode is going to be a fun one. It's going to be short, sharp, and hopefully with a few laughs in it. We're going to talk about how to be a money repellent. Quite the opposite <laughs> of what probably our listeners are expecting, but we know that doing the exact opposite of what not to do is often what you should do.
0: i tell you what well, this reminds me of. Good, 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 uh, good spin on it, too. Um, I watched some Seinfeld over the over the oh, holidays. How good! And, and the, there's a specific episode. It's called The Opposite. And if you're a Seinfeld fan, you know what I'm talking about. And, and George Costanza, the butt of all jokes uh, in Seinfeld, um, is having very little success and attractive anything positive in his life. So he says, all "Right, all my life I've been doing this. I'm going to do the opposite," and immediately it starts to work. So, hi, I'm George. I'm 40, bald,
1: poor, live at home with my parents. And the lady turns around and says, "Oh, here's my phone number. Should we go out for dinner?" Absolutely. And that's exactly what we're trying to achieve in this podcast, mm. AB. So we talk about money. We uh, we often talk about what to do. But today, we're going to talk about exactly what not to do. So mm. repelling money, the habits, the attitudes, and maybe the mindsets yeah. that go with that.
0: It's pretty smart. I mean, if, if you take the trading space, um, you know, If you find a strategy that doesn't work, uh, you know, and speculating, for example, particularly in the options market, I suppose, um, can be quite challenging. Doing the opposite of that can be quite lucrative. So there's a valid case, not just simply for, for, for some giggles and to put a different spin, but
1: there actually is a level of validity. Something's not working. Don't throw it away. Just consider the opposite. All right, well, let's kick off. Let's have some fun with this. So repelling money habit or mindset number one, what are you doing? I think just simply having a strategy of hope. Oh,
0: I'm sure I'll be successful. I hope I am. It'll work itself out. Nothing in life happens without uh, some deliberate action toward it. You know, you may well be fortunate and buy a lottery ticket and it comes in, but the prospect of that happening, uh yeah, millions to one. And I think, you know, rather than leave things to chance and happenstance, I think having a far more deliberate uh, approach is key. So, you know, you, having hope, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get myself right, just give it time. You know, I'm not at the stage of life where I need to think too much about money. Um, it'll come, you know, when I get to that stage, I'm sure it'll work itself out. Just having that hope mindset that things will be significantly better next year than they
1: were this is is a blind and foolish strategy. So rather than hoping for being wealthy or rich or whatever your definition of that is, you say being more intentional is that something like budgeting or planning out yeah. what are you doing? I think yeah having a deliberate action plan has to be
0: part of that so first of all you like any action plan and let's not dive into goal setting we've just spent a day with our clients doing that um, but you know first of all knowing what you want what is, what is wealthy for you? What is a, a better financial position and being able to define that? Because if you can't define something, you know, you're just guessing and fumbling around. And then secondly, is setting up a very, very deliberate action plan that's likely to deliver that. If you think about, you know, no different to getting in your car we've just had the holiday season, you say, right, I'm going to go to you know, Noosa. Okay, well, the action plan, number one, you know where you're going. If you said oh, I feel like going somewhere and I hope I go somewhere nice, chances are it's not going to work out too well. So you've worked out where you want to go, it's Noosa. So then the deliberate action plan needs to be well probably got to put some fuel in the car uh, work out what you need to take
1: with you work out what your route to get there is and then get started. Absolutely and um, it's interesting you say that because any road will take you nowhere so for those people who are money repellent simply not having a plan is probably the the cause of their own demise. It's
0: got to be something that you actually sit down and strategically plan out. Yeah, blind optimism that it's going to work. And, and I used this example the other day. like um, Last year, I remember I was, I was sitting on my pool deck at home with my son and we were making paper airplanes. He'd been doing it at school. And, and <laughs> I'm a pretty competitive person, but I've been making my my paper airplane game is not very good. Neither. I've been making my paper airplanes exactly the same since I was at school. And every time I fold the paper, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, this time it's going to work. Because my design doesn't work very well. And they probably go about two feet and hit the ground. And that's the end of it. But I keep going down that same path, hoping that if I fold it tightly enough or use a slightly different grammage of paper, I'm just going to get that magic launch and the thing's going to go 10 temp- feet. You can't live your life based on hope. Uh, and what i was noticed with my son, you know, he's, he's, he's currently six, and his openness to trying different designs, and oh, maybe this will work better, Daddy, you know, versus me that died in the war. I know this doesn't work, but I keep doing the same thing because I'm Maybe making paper airplanes isn't that high on my list of priorities. <laughs> it could be a goal this year. But I don't have a deliberate plan to make it work. I just keep going down the same path, bashing my head against the wall. And next year, I'll do the same And the next time I'll do the same thing. Next and people are like that with their money. They start out January
1: with a New Year's resolution, hoping that this is going to be their year. And by the end of the year, it's gone nowhere other than back. Hope's not a strategy. It's well said, A.B. Mm. And uh, I think uh, to, to, to add to that, maybe slightly different, I guess, as, mm. a, as a personal anecdote, especially people of my generation, Mm. for any of our younger listeners out there, getting stuck in that, if I have this, then I'll be happy. That hedonic treadmill can be a very, very expensive exercise because no matter what you have, you'll always want more rather than being happy with what you have and Mm. investing for the future. Especially with social media, I think a lot of people get caught up or I'm working hard today, I'm stuck in the office, yet there's my friends out for lunch at Rickshaw's at 12 p.m. in the afternoon on a Wednesday. Mm very easy to get caught up in that. Whereas actually doing the hard yards now and setting yourself up for the longer term would probably be a much, much better, more valuable exercise. It's a, it's,
0: it's a really good example. And it's one that's very current and it, it's probably one that affects a particular age group and demographic more than others, but it's that benchmarking against other people's perceived level of success. It's another don't, it's another repellent because half the time, you know, when you look at social media and there's enormous pressure that comes with that, like you you see people that perhaps you know or associates of yours that, you know, they're standing next to a Ferrari or a Lambo or a Bentley and they get a photo taken with it and it's just like, today's ride or great ride or whatever it might be, inferring that it's something they have, which then creates that level of dissatisfaction. If you don't have that, you go, well, how come they're not at work on a Wednesday and they're standing next to a 600 grand sports car? It's all fake. And taking that pathway down where you're benchmarking against yourself Uh, you're benchmarking yourself against somebody else is a really dangerous thing to do, especially if it's predicated on something that's not even accurate and true. You're on your journey, and what makes you feel satisfied and happy and is important to you is likely to be very different from the next person, but it's easy to get blown off course with that sort of keeping up with the rest of the gang uh, kind of mindset. And that short-term dopamine release of maybe buying a new pair of sneakers or something more substantial, maybe a watch, or car, whatever it might be, drifts into the rear view mirror uh, against actual real tangible progress in terms of your own personal wealth and, uh, and, and finance. And it may seem that it's not much fun at the start because they're out having this really great time. But when you wind the clock forward 20, 30 years or less than 10 years, for example, and you say, well, you know, I've been doing this now for 10 years and I've got three investment properties, I'm driving the car I want to drive, you know, I've got my tax position sorted out because of the advice I've received and I've worked on a plan B second form of income, third form of income, which gives me a bit of passive dough in the door. I think I'm gonna clear off to Europe for the season and do three or four months over the year. And guess what, while I'm over there, I'm not, not getting paid. All the investment stuff that I've set up is still working for me. I'm getting paid, I've just moved where I am. That's very different from that Instant gratification of going when you can't afford it, and then you've got to work out how you're going to pay for it when you get back.
1: Absolutely. Be grateful for what you have. Don't mm. get caught up in 100%. that because we'll repel, repel money. Uh,
0: get what you get. Don't get upset, as my kids' teachers <laughs> keep telling them, and we've been trying to use that one at home, but it, it's so true. So, you know, benchmark it yourself against yourself by knowing what you want. Any other repellents, A.B., that come to mind for you? I think, you know, you can get into a really habitual spending cycle. Um, Yeah, and and if you flip the script on that, when I say habitual spending cycle, it might be on consumables, might be on going out, might be on other things that are purely and simply uh, for show. Uh, and nothing beyond that. It's not a real substantial, there's nothing to gain from it other than, oh, that was pretty cool. We did this It's an experience. And there's it, a big pressure on a lot of younger people to live their life based on experiences and get those versus you know making the sacrifice now and having it forever, getting it now and then worrying about how you're going to pay for it down the line. And I think rather than have a spending habit, if you can flip the script on that and have instead of a discretionary or gratuitous spending habit, a uh, gratuitous uh saving habit Ooh, I and, like then, that. and then learn
1: how to invest that i think is absolutely crucial so save first invest first spend second absolutely
0: and, and as my good mate and mentor from my early days robert Kiyosaki always says you're buying anything that's a lifestyle expense you only pay for it out of the proceeds from your investment, never the capital that you've got to work with. So you have pressure on yourself then to get your money working harder, uh, to spin off some gains and whatever those gains are, that is what you get to use to spend on the fun stuff. Um, chances are once you start investing,
1: you'll just want to compound anyway. Nice. That's a, that's a really good piece of advice. Mm. What about this one? What about thinking that the accumulation of money will make you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that often repels money, funnily enough, because your motivations for wanting to accumulate it are completely wrong, right? People mm-hmm. who genuinely have enough money to spend the time however they like enjoy the slog and the challenge of it. It's not about looking rich or appearing rich, right? Yeah, I'd say there's a, a lot of validity to that. You know, setting a money goal
0: in terms of, oh, I want this is actually... Look, any goal is good. I, I look at it life like this. Goals Goals are really the thing to give you the direction to push you in the right direction, but the actual momentum to get there you need to set up as behaviours or habits. So the habit is the accelerator and brake as to how quickly or how slowly you're going to get to that goal. And then the goal is just the direction set by the steering wheel. So they're both important. You've got to know where you want to get to, but then you've got to build processes to get you there. So rather than focus on a definitive, you know, I, I want to have a million dollars or I want to make this much a year or whatever it might be, by focusing... I guess, on the engine room, the habit, once you've got that habit set, it's going to get you not only to that goal, but way, way beyond that, um, because it becomes a very deliberate form of behavior. And and taking that a step further, rather than set your goal as things or stuff, if you set your goals as identity type goals, instead, they become even more robust. And like I had this Conversation, funnily enough, with uh, we had some people over on, on Saturday, uh, and my dad's over from the UK at the moment. My dad's on the podcast last year. You know, he's eighty-one. He's seen a bit of life. Oh yeah, he's he's quite the character. And we're talking about um, different things, and it came up about cigars. Uh, and, and and I said, Dad, would you have a cigar? And he said, No. And my father used to be a smoker, uh, and, and a reasonably heavy smoker when he was younger, uh, and 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 now he doesn't. He gave up. Yeah, you know, probably when I was born. And um, and we're talking about the economic costs of smoking. But then we got on to, I said, why wouldn't you have a cigar? He said, because I'm a non-smoker. Now, that wasn't, I don't want a cigar because I don't want a cigar. It was his whole identity is, I'm a non-smoker. So it's a very logical thing to say no because he's a non-smoker. And I think when you establish goals on an identity basis like that, they're with you forever. Because it's very, very hard to break who you are as a person. And how you see yourself as a person. So you're yeah, on the same vein, you know, do you want to have a um, a couple of shots of tequila? Uh, I said, well, no, I'm, I'm 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 really focused on my health, so I, you know, I'm happy to have a couple of beers, but I'm going to go for a run in the morning. So having some shots at midnight is in real conflict with that. And I think rather than setting your goals as stuff, which is look, any goal is better than none, and it's good to know the direction you want to go in, but when you start to peel back the layers of goal setting and making them effective, that's almost the opposite of what you want to do and make it about the stuff. And instead, you want to make it about the process. And better yet, rather than about the process, to make it a very robust ironclad type um, thing that you do, set it up to be your identity. That's a cracker. I really do like that. There's a lot of psychology behind that, and, yeah. uh, and I've spent a l- probably the last six months of last year in that space where I've been increasingly focusing. And again, you know, for our clients that came through uh, you know, a, a Kickstart the New Year course uh, a, a little while ago, the majority of what we talked about was setting up behaviours which are identity-based and habit-based rather than thing-based. That's really if you good. want to hit it, you set it up as your identity, it'll happen, sure as eggs are eggs. So in terms of the opposite, wanting to have stuff like that shiny, new, attractive, alluring that you think is going to motivate you can oftentimes be a repellent because you're so fixated with the thing, you'll do anything to get there. You might even compromise your own values to get there. You know, if you want to lose weight, you want to be 10 kilos lighter, and the goal is about losing 10 kilos, I could chop my arm off and achieve the same thing but it's not gonna get me the real goal of having a healthy lifestyle. It's a mis- misconstructed goal, I suppose. Whereas if you set yourself uh, an identity or a habit, first of all, of being someone that does exercise, watch the eat, and then take that further up the pipeline that I'm, I'm just someone that consistently makes healthy choices about my
1: body. That's it, That's it. I really like that one, AB. I think our listeners will find plenty of value in that. Mm. What we should say: any of our listeners still tuned in at this point, comment below. They're all tuned in because it's They're so all tuned in. This is the addictive stuff. It How is, can I be it? more? How can yeah. I have more? What can I have? Comment below a situation where maybe a, a certain um, allure or offer had actually mm. gone mm. against what your values are, and talk about mm. what your experience are. I'd be really interested to hear. It, it, it can be
0: such a this is this is not a good example. This is going to make me look like a, I'll use the example anyway, but I remember, I'd be really minded how I explain this. I remember I had a very tough upbringing as a kid, didn't have any money, and so my goal, I always wanted to be a millionaire. And I remember one day I called my mum and said, hey, hey are you? Which anyway, she said, by the way, I've got a million in the bank. She said, oh, my God, she's so happy for me, and that's just incredible. You must feel, I didn't feel a thing. And it's really strange because that was a goal of mine from when I was a kid and I had nothing to wanting to become a millionaire. And it was really hollow because I, it was already in the rearview mirror and it wasn't satisfying me anymore because I'd achieved it. And at that stage in my life, I was in a very much a, a money accumulation phase where it was my God, I chased it. I wasn't, hadn't evolved to a level of maturity uh, and I was looking at life through my childhood lenses, but playing in an adult world that facilitated the ability to make money, London trade, all that sort of stuff. And that's a really clear example of having a bad, well, it's not a bad goal, it's first world problem, no, a goal, in the bank goal. Right? But it's an immature type of goal. And very quickly I realised that I wasn't fulfilled with that and what was I doing wrong to not be happy about realising a life goal? How can you be unhappy? You've just hit a life goal and it's just because it was the wrong goal. And instead I focused on, okay, what processes can I start to work on to make that happen again and then again and become someone that develops the habits that uh, make me positive in terms of accumulating wealth and, and and so on and so forth. And then ultimately it evolves into that identity where you know, I, 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 I'm someone that's been blessed to have skilled myself enough to have multiple streams of income passive and active, that enable me to support my family. So it's not about making a million bucks. It's it's, it's my identity now Is someone that's always looking to support my family through different endeavours, uh, pa- passive and active, that spin out the cash to do that. Nice one. I really do like that. A, mm. a good example there, a personal yeah. one. That and, and it, it, it's a weird one, and I, I'm really minded of using that example because I make myself sound like a really arrogant person by saying that, and by no means am I. And... It was so unfulfilling, that phone call. Yeah, I thought I'd be feeling so good about it. And success without fulfillment is the ultimate in failure. And it's really harrowing because that's the sort of thing that could pull you up and go, well, i got nothing out of that. I'm not going to bother doing that again. Yet in reality, if you reframe it and look at it through a different set of lenses, it could be a catalyst that drives you on and on. You just need a slightly different motivation or a different way of structuring the goal. So you've got to have goals. You've got to know what you want. And make those goals your identity and habits, as opposed to
1: stuff and things. I thought we were meant to have a fun podcast here, AB. Now we're all of a sudden oh, we're fun. Go
0: on, let's go. Other things not to do. You okay, want to be? Let sick, me so put you on the spot. The okay. Worst thing I've ever done with my money. Yeah. Walk. <laughs> um,
1: top, let, let's let's top, hear it. What's the worst thing you've ever done? Top ten money
0: blunders. Uh, number one: lent some money to a buddy of mine that I was doing some development work, uh, and I should have and uh, I let friendship and emotion overplay my common sense and objectivity around money, and he owes me still owes me a lot of money like a few hundred thousand. And that was was poor quality decision making. And I guess that's led on to, you know, you talk about habits and identity. So that was was an example of, look, he's my mate. He's good for it. I'll I'll help him out because that's what mates do, which is a very nice mindset to have. But when it comes to the world of finance, it's not just about being nice. You've got to look at where where the risks are. And I guess you know that's led me down a pathway, both as a trader, as a business person, and, and just in life in general, always prepare for the worst. Expect the best because the ball's going to drop somewhere in the middle. So expecting the best in that situation is that he's going to pay back the cash. Preparing for the worst is what's your course of action if he defaults? And then if the ball drops somewhere in the middle, that's probably expected and outcome. you've got things covered. So that, that will be one in terms of, of money. I went through a phase, so two, uh, gratuitous spending phase. I've always been you know, a good saver. I went through a phase pre, or during my, I had a pretty pretty decent bachelor decade, sort Did of 30 this. to 40. And I was earning a lot of money and having a lot of fun. And I had um, yeah, a, a lot of fun in that time. But some of my spending at one point in time And I was was very fortunate that I had another mate of mine, um, Boothie, um, who was in a very similar age group and very similar financial situation and and a very similar relationship situation too. Uh, And we both pulled each other up. And the reason I share this story with you is uh, it's about an accountability coach, one of a better description. And I remember we'd been over to... um, the States, in which we used to go to the Playboy Mansion probably about every five or six weeks and you'd be partying there and there's Hef and Miss June and Puff Daddy and all the, this crazy LA scene, which we'd gotten into by spending a bit of time in the US, which from an ego perspective and, and cool stories with your mates at the pub and, 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 and all the rest of it and Instagram and all, it just looks incredible. Oh my God, you're doing that. How did you get there? What do you have to do to get there? And there are a few things. You've got to afford it for one. You've got to meet the right people. You've got to have the time to say, right, I'm going away for five or six days, have a bit of fun, I'll be back. Have the income that keeps flowing through in the background. So, you know, in a way, um, yeah, it was an interesting, uh, and I think for me, if I actually look back on it, it was a validation I felt in myself as uh, uh, someone coming from a, you know, pretty poor working class background that I'd I'd ticked a box and I'd made it. Yeah, a couple of nice sports cars in the garage, a couple of nice watches, nice two-story apartment on the beach, and like lots of things that don't really add up to a hill of beans, nice to have. I you know, had investments, had properties, all that sort of stuff going, great business. But for me, I think I needed that recognition, whether it was in myself or from other people, to say, oh, you've made it because you're able to do that. And it ticked a box for me at the time. And I remember we were flying back. Um, yeah, It was sort of Sunday night, which brings you into, into Australia Tuesday morning, so there's another day off back in on Tuesday morning and probably feeling a bit iffy because it was a fairly, fairly hefty weekend it's not yeah. just a playable mansion then there's the post party at the Roosevelt and all the scene that goes alongside that in LA and we're chatting on the plane on the way back you know, 12 grand airfare to add that into the mix and again mate, hey, we've been doing this for a little while it's just not I'm not getting a lot out of it anymore and he said yeah I was feeling the same he said I just realised I, I just sat down and realised what we'd spent and uh I said, yeah, it's starting to rack up a little bit. And he said, well, why don't we make a pet that if it's a discretionary spend over $150, bucks, we have got to call each other first. And this is ridiculous, because making great money at $150 is a pretty low threshold. Sure. And I'm not talking about filling the car up with gas, or not that fuel was that expensive then, or, 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 or buying lunch, or something like that, but just gratuitous things. Clothing, car, truck, holiday. drinks weekend away, whatever, let's call each other and have a yak about it. And we went through, I didn't spend anything for that year. It was like a competition <laughs> who could be the most frugal. And it was, in, in, in a way, talk about the opposite. You've gone from this gratuitous spending, you know, my Amex bill would be yeah, a couple hundred grand a month, it's ridiculous, um, to the total opposite side of the coin, where it was a competition to not spend anything. And that was so much more rewarding. Not in the case of you've got a couple hundred grand in the bank that you didn't have if you hadn't done it, but more importantly, the discipline that came with that and the realisation that money doesn't bring you happiness. You don't have to spend that money to be happy. I can get just as much of a buzz from getting a good deal on something. Man, I've just got the opportunity to do this. I've knocked them down to 150. I'm just calling you to say, like, yeah, you can go ahead and mm-hmm. do that. Crazy stuff like that, which, which is so far removed and really doesn't sound fun. Do you know who it won't sound fun to? It won't sound fun to people that want the colour. But anyone that's had the colour, and this is probably the smartest thing to come out of my mouth in the last two minutes, I reckon. For those people that have had the colour, they'll realise that they get so much more satisfaction about playing the frugal card and choosing not to have something because they've got control and choice. Whereas if you're still trying to fulfil that goal to tick that box to be fulfilled by being seen somewhere or doing something... That's actually not your choice. You think it is, but it's not. You're caught up on the bandwagon of recognition of what other people have got to say. Giving away the good opinion of other people and running your own race, priceless because of the peace of mind. And I've seen both sides, and I know how I live now, and I know what I prefer. Spend less than me now, I reckon, almost. Wouldn't spend a cracker. i leave that to my <laughs> wife and the, the other, my five kids to do that. But nice work. But it becomes a game. And, and there's an interesting one because I always thought that's what I wanted and I did it and I enjoyed it when I was doing it. But on reflection, it was time to shut that door. As I say, it's very easy to say once you've done it. If it's been out of reach and you haven't done it, it's very hard. My dad always said to me, he's like, son, you know, when you can't have something, you always want it more. But when you can have anything you want, you won't want anything.
1: It's a really good quote, really good way to put it. Wise man, my father. Absolutely. Amy, that's a great, great way to finish this episode. I think there's a number of habits in there. We've throughout, even in your experience in mine and the others that we've shared here that are exactly what not to do. So as a money repellent, anything that we've said, do the exact opposite and you'll be just all right. Be the George Costanza of finance. Be the the George Costanza. And have some fun with it. I mean, turn it into a game.
0: If you can gamify anything, and playing a game on your own, I don't know if that's much fun. But when you can play it with a buddy and that accountability coach in, in the case of myself and Boothie, or in, in terms of what we do with our clients or in terms of how we operate here within the ecosystem within our office, that accountability to other members of the team is huge. So if you're trying to run this on your own, get an accountability coach, whether that's someone in our team, it doesn't have to be the formal coach, it's someone you do this stuff with and start playing that game with that other person and it is the most addictive, positive thing you will do with your finances guaranteed. Can't wait. I'm not spending a cent this
1: year. Thanks, AB.
0: (laughs) We'll see how we go with that. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating, and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.